0: We're back! We're back! It's a distraction! I'm Drew! That's Roth! How you doing, Roth? You got some World Cup fever?
1: I guess I do. I guess I'm a little worried about whether or not it's going to come home.
0: Uh, well, I believe it can come back to the
1: yeah. house. Sure. I, uh Yes, I am actually enjoying it. Like, I'm experiencing the full, you know, like, idiotic brain wipe between games. Like, I don't know these dudes, and I don't know what they do. But when I'm watching them run around, I'm like, ah, oh, look at them go! So, that's, that's good. About the most I can hope for.
0: By someone's someone's uh, younger son. He was homesick yesterday um, while I was watching Iran and in, in the U.S. And when politics scored his great goal, uh, where he you know he sacrificed his dick and balls for the greater good of of America, I I f- was like I jumped. I was like woohoo! Like I do this during football games too, and scared the ever loving shit out of him. And he was like, I was not ready for that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, bitch, you know what you got got into. <laughs> I'm watching sports. You know the deal, man. Sometimes
1: you got to call your son bitch i didn't actually i did not call my son a bitch so wait was he this is i don't want to make you uh violate your son's HIPAA rights was he actually sick because it's a pretty slick move to be like i don't know if i can go to school today the day of the um u.s men's national team game that starts during the school day
0: no because this is the the son that doesn't give a fuck about soccer so he was actually okay Sick.
1: Uh, speaking of sick, we got pretty sick
0: guest. Uh, it's Tom oh, wow. Lay, our editor and chief of defector. Hello, Tom Lay.
2: Hello, hello. Excited to be Off. your sick guest for the day. That's damn that That's signature Tom tight.
0: Lay caffeinated energy that he brings. It's incredibly to tight and sick.
2: Energy. I don't know why I get yelled at for this if Roth does it. We're at the same energy level.
1: That's true. There, we did an episode together during one of the ones that Drew missed, and it was just me and Tom muttering about baseball yeah, while Meg Rowley that was, <laughs> like, waited for us to shut up. For
2: sure, our strongest um, <laughs> episode ever, right? I yeah, would bet many, on many
1: it. Many are saying this. It was like a low concert, just very subtle. <laughs> <laughs> like it rocked. You could hear someone that. getting a text. During <laughs> the, uh, the podcast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we should talk seriously about the World Cup. Although not too seriously, because Roth and I know Dick. Thankfully, Tom knows a little bit more. Uh, Roth and Lay, really Lay, the U.S. men's national <laughs> team is on to the knockout round of the mm-hmm. World Cup. Uh, they advanced uh, in the knockout stage only twice in their history. The first time they did so was in 1930 when they made the semifinals, and that was the literal first World Cup. Only other time they did it was in 2002 when they made it to the uh, um, the quarterfinals. Can this team, Tom Lay, be the third U.S. men's national team to actually win a game in the knockout round? Can they beat the Netherlands?
2: Um, yes. Yeah, I don't. I don't think. I, I think it's uh, very much they will be the underdogs and uh, not be favored um, for a lot of good reasons. But the Netherlands are a great team, but they haven't looked um, particularly great at this World Cup. Like they've, they've not been scoring a ton of goals or creating a ton of chances. Uh, And
0: I don't know any other team like that. I really
2: don't. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Well, that's the thing. Like, I I think there's no reason to believe we can't play as well against the Netherlands as we did against England. Um, England is better. Uh, And, you know, and then after that, it just comes down to like, does some shit break our way this time? You know, like there's a lot of different uh, permutations of that England game where we could have come out winning uh so it could happen like I, I don't think there's any reason to go into it being like there's no fucking point in watching this whatever we're gonna lose for nothing um it'll be a, it'll be a competitive game it'll definitely be good i think
1: can i ask an idiot's question yeah. about this yeah. uh, so that as far as i can tell watching it like the team looks more like a proper world cup soccer team than any uh team usa team that i can remember or u.s men's national team it also seems like uh the defense is far more advanced than the offense is like, is there, mm. obviously I'm assuming that Pulisic, uh, that his balls will have been extracted <laughs> from his abdominal cavity in time for the game on Saturday. Uh, like how do you solve a problem? Like your team doesn't have guys who can score goals.
2: Yeah. This is sort of uh, a pretty common thing. If you follow um, club soccer with any regularity, like, The process to becoming a good team uh, starts, you know, with having solid defense, a coherent tactical plan, like players who can actually execute that tactical plan. And then the last and hardest step is like consistently scoring goals. Like that is the thing that takes a team from, oh, these guys are pretty good to like this team rules and can kick anybody's ass is you just need guys who can score a lot of goals, which is why like, goal scoring players are the most important and most expensive in the world. And so like with the U S team in particular, uh, it's like our strikers are, you know, probably the weakest point, uh, on the team. And this is just kind of how it's going to be like, that's not, it's not a problem that can really be solved, um, in the short or even like medium term, like tactically, like I think that the, the way the team is set up the philosophy they're playing with the way that the players are functioning in the system is all pretty much been like a minus stuff. You just need uh, a guy or two out there who was better at kicking the ball into the net when the chances come to them. And we just don't really have those guys, which is fine. Do you not
0: consider consider Christian Pulisic one of those guys? Is he more of a a facilitator? Yeah. I mean, he,
2: he is best as a facilitator, even in his runs uh, with Chelsea and with Dortmund when he was like doing really well, he was never really known as like a, a lethal finisher, like a guy who you can just sort of count on for a goal every game. So like the goals we're going to score, if we score any in the Netherlands game, will probably look like the one we got against Iran where it's like, this really good team move, um, a lot of stuff happening. And then it's just like, you've got a guy in the right place at the right time. We don't have right. you know, the striker who's going to get the ball at their feet, 30 yards turn, like send a guy to the floor and then like curl one into the corner. Like we just don't really have those dudes, which is fine. Like nobody has those dudes. Like very few people have those dudes. Um, So this, the way the team is playing right now is like, yeah, it's the same way a lot of teams in Spain and England play when they're sort of getting themselves to a point where they feel like they can be actually good. And they just need like those one or two more players who can really provide, you know, whatever you want to call it, the finishing, punch or clinical edge or whatever the hell, you know, soccer commenters like to call scoring goals.
1: It's clinical edge. Uh, that's a, that's a soccer. Yeah. Game. They like
2: to talk about how you need to be um, clinical in the final third or in front of goal. So like, uh, like, and you, it, it's a dumb cliche, but you kind of get it. Like if you watch enough teams, like the U S have been playing where they have the ball a lot in the opponent's half and they're doing a lot of passes and they make a cross and just like nothing happens. You want to be yeah. like, oh, you got to be more clinical in that situation. Like, You got to make a better final pass.
1: Yeah, the cross where nothing happens is just fucking. It's weird. not clinical.
2: You have to be more clinical. And I
1: will say that as a as a soccer dumbass, too, that like that's been the part, like all of what you were saying was very lucid, made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Uh, But it's frustrating because it's like you'll see guys doing cool things and then it's just like right up until the last moment. And then the thing you have to hope for is that it bonks off someone's head, right. like maybe while they're not looking and goes in the right direction, because the rest of it, it's like Everything happens except for the last five. Yeah, or that is that's very frustrating. That is
2: what the experience of watching a non a good but non dominant soccer team just is. Like that's just how it goes. You're just going to be frustrated because they do so much cool stuff that makes sense, and you're like, yes, they're really flowing. And then they just like can't do that final thing. And the teams that can do it, like the cool stuff, just lasts like a beat or two longer. And then all of a sudden, there's a you wide know. open goal, and a guy's just tapping it in.
0: You also you get primed for it by like. Um you know, like, by like John Strong or something like, who I think has been very good. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, when that cross comes, that crosses it to the middle. <laughs> and you're like, oh, oh, here it comes. And yeah. then
1: it just like, then the ball just lands. Yeah. Or like the goalkeeper catches it and you're like, you fucking asshole.
2: Yeah.
0: like do oh, like, yeah.
1: how dare My you? My favorite dumb soccer thing is something that's like a bunch of really cool passes happening nearish the net. Like, I know that I can like start edging towards the front of the, you know, couch pillow there. And then a dude just booms the ball directly into the air, <laughs> yeah. like just straight oh. up at a cloud. And I know that soccer is really hard, but there's a part yeah. of me where I was like, I would simply not do that. <laughs> yeah. I would kick it at the net. Yeah, yeah
0: there was a, a there was a game. It was either the Wales game or the England game where Weston McKenney had two good uh had the goal in his sights twice and fucking skied the shit out yeah. of the ball. And that I just wanted to die.
2: The the thing I always that. try to tell myself in those situations when that happens is that the ball is moving a lot faster than you think uh yeah than it looks on television and the spaces are much tighter than they look on television so like but like, like that Matt kenny chance i know the one you're talking about he's just standing in front of the goal ball comes to him and he just deflects it like over you know uh, the top of the crossbar and like on tv it looks like will you, how do you not put that in the net but and it's very frustrating but i just every time i see that i'm like if that ball was coming at me, I would have just um, cried. Like I wouldn't have even been able, to, like, put my foot on it. Like, there's just no way that happens.
1: An audible peel of like, no, yeah, yeah. from the pitch yeah. you try to do your thing.
2: I got two. I got two more World Cup questions for you,
0: Tom. The first uh-huh. one is about our coach, Greg Berhalter. Greg, yeah, big Greg. Uh Greg, g- 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 with two, <laughs> uh, two G's. Gs. Uh, is he good? I've heard a lot of complaining about his substitutions, particularly his unwillingness to play Gio Reyna. Yeah, is he making the right decisions or not?
2: Um, I th- I think he's been good in the world. Like I think in the qualifications, uh, there was a lot of concern just in his selections, uh, in that he liked to start guys who play in MLS and other um, bullshit, not good leagues. So far in the World Cup, I think his team selections have been really good. The Gio Reyna thing is like, I don't. I don't I'm not as fired up about that as a lot of other people are um, just because to me like what matters for for soccer specifically for your manager is less about like not so much the end game stuff but um, how they set up the the starting 11 and like when you watch them play is it clear that they've got like a plan in place and that the players on the field are capable of executing that plan. And I, th- I think that's happened in every single game so far. Um, like I've, I've watched a lot of soccer games for my shitty team that I like where it's just like 90 minutes of they're just not fucking doing anything out there. And you can tell like they don't have a tactical like philosophy of like how they want to play and the guys trying to do it. If they do have one are just incapable of doing it. Um, and the U.S. has not looked like that. I think I think in all three games for, you know, large portions, probably the majority of the portions of them, they've been or at least looked like the better team on the field um so once you get that down then I think it just comes down to like okay what's the actual talent ceiling of the guys on the field and I think we've seen we've hit you know what our ceiling is which is we can do a lot of cool stuff and defend but it's just scoring goals is difficult and like that's not something he can really control um and soccer is not really a game where you can just like oh, I'll just throw Gio Reyna on there and he'll go get a goal. Like, it's, it's just so dependent on a lot of other things. Um, so I, I've been happy with him. Like, I think uh, there are a lot of other national teams that have looked a lot worse with a lot better players. Um, and they just probably don't have a, as, you know, as coherent as a system or whatever, guys who has bought into it. So I, I think he's been good. I'm happy with him.
0: I think my only concern has been, it was particularly true in the back half of the Iran game, uh, where it seemed like we were playing to sit on a lead. And like, you know, I know from American football that that's always a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I don't, Would you, you say know, it prevents
2: you from winning? It does prevent you yeah. from winning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I was similarly frustrated by that. I My mild defense of the way that game ended is that like there are some things about a soccer game that like, you just kind of can't prevent the way that it goes sometimes. Like sometimes it's just the natural course of it. Like uh, if you're the better team and you get that first goal, if you don't get the second goal by like, you know, the 65th or 70th minute, just like the natural uh, flow of the game kind of just demands that you have end up kind of defending with your pants on fire for the last 10 minutes. And that sounds, I, I realize it sounds kind of stupid to say that. you're just be like, Well, just don't do that. Like, keep playing the way you were playing. But it's just, like, the demands being made on each team as time ticks down just change when the score stays 1-0. And that kind of, like, in a lot of ways, you just kind of can't prevent that. Um, The way you prevent that is by, like, being good enough to score two goals in the first half, which we almost were, uh, or being good enough to score one, you know, right at the start of the second half, which we almost did. Um, But once you don't do that, it's, like, to me, it's not so much of a of a referendum on their performance if the game ends the way it did. Because um, that's just kind of how soccer games go in those situations.
0: I also forget Roth because of the temperature here and because I'm watching these games that are taking place really at nighttime uh, in, in Qatar. I am forgetting that they're playing on a field that is as hot as the surface of fucking Mercury. So, yeah, they're probably going to wear out a little bit and have a tough time scoring goals. And yeah, and I now. mean,
2: Eunice Musa, you could see at the end of that game, basically couldn't move. Uh, and also, like, our subs fucking suck. Like, every sub you put on for the U.S. team makes the team, like, 10% worse just because... Um, well, aside from like Aronson and Reina, but like anytime you put one of those NLS guys on, it's like, okay, we've gotten like significantly worse at that spot, which I mean, I get it. You do it because guys are tired and you need fresh legs out there, but those fresh legs um, also uh, kind of stink at soccer. Or so. are, attached,
1: are attached to some some just booty-ass soccer. Yeah. So sometimes it's like that. The is that I'm assuming that that's more like, that can be said of all but, you know, whatever, three or four teams yeah. in the field probably. Yeah. 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 Because that's the part where I, you know, again, so much of my understanding of this is, like, filtered through what I don't know. And I see a lot of people complaining about substitutions, like, on Twitter and stuff like that. And I always feel like that has aspects of this sort of, like, over-determined, over-performance that American soccer fans will sometimes do in spaces like that, where they want to sort of, like, signal that they're not full of shit, that they have this expertise. But the way that that comes out is by, like, complaining and saying that various people are, like, trash, nightmare- awfulness and like yeah yeah and i you know and i don't want to like i should be like calling out names here just being like that's you i'm talking about you scott but like there are like obviously limits to you know like what any team could do it's just hard to i mean even that i you know was in the work slack when they did kind of like pack it in yesterday and try to prevent a goal from, and it's like Everybody explained to me very clearly why they were doing that. It didn't make it any more fun to watch. Yeah. It was fucking excruciating. I hated it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I
2: think, yeah, it is excruciating. And I think it's just like the only way that stuff gets easier to watch is if you just sort of try to accept or remind yourself that like in soccer specifically, you're just like players are just way more at the mercy of like the flow of the game than in other sports. Like it's just it just happens. Like that's just kind of how it goes. Um, and like you know, if he subs in Gio Reign at the 60th minute, like, do we get another goal and, you know, then it's over? Like, I don't know. I I think that when I I personally complain about some soccer asshole not making the right subs, it's usually because what you're watching on the field, like, clearly isn't working. You're like, these guys can't, um, you know, get a pass into the opponent box to save their lives. Like, why isn't there a different winger out there? I haven't really just gotten that feeling from watching us. Like, everything that I've watched, I've been like, yeah, they're they're doing what they want to do, what they hope to do, uh, and the stuff that's gone wrong is like that's just sort of how the game goes when you don't you know finish it off early.
0: Well, as an American, I would just like to say to that idea, "Fuck that!" I think we should play tempo. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we should. I was I I was definitely yesterday like, uh, you know, you know, between like work slack and like Twitter, I definitely there, I I saw a lot of you know dissatisfaction with the men's uh, you know, this sucks and stuff. And I was like, they winning, they won, fuck off! Yeah. Like, I was yeah. just happy that they they won. Yeah. I want to ask you, though, if if they keep winning, and it really, this is actually, this goes beyond just the U.S. men's team. Uh, do you believe that people will put um, a spiritual asterisk on this tournament because of the time of year it's being played, because of the injuries, because of the heat, because of the attrition that a lot of these nations have suffered Uh, which has reduced i think i think it objectively has reduced the quality of play compared to other world cups tom
2: yeah i think it's i've had a tough time figuring that out yet like i think we'll probably see more of that as the tournament goes on and we'll see if like stamina really becomes a problem for people um i don't know though i i feel like this is actually something that will go in the other direction where the the domestic seasons will end up with asterisks on them. Cause these guys are going to come back all fucked up. Like
0: oh. going into the
2: tournament actually isn't that different from if it was the summer. Cause when it's a summer tournament, like your league season ends in may, you get a little bit of a break. Then you're doing world cup by, um, you know, June. So it's like that level of freshness is sort of, um, similar, but yeah, the, the big problem here will be when these guys come back, uh, you know, teams that are like in title races are going to have guys who are injured or tired or fucked up. Um, and I think that's where the asterisks will go. I mean, I don't like, it's definitely going to get, I don't know. I I think so far it's been fine. Um, but things could get a little wonky as the games go on and guys are getting more tired and, um, you know, yeah. But I I think asterisk wise, like it'll reflect more on the, on the club seasons than, than this actual tournament.
0: That's interesting. All right, let's, uh, let's take a break. We'll come right back with Tom Lay of Defector. We'll be right back after this. We're back with Tom Lay, our editor-in-chief of Defector. We talked about soccer. Now we have to talk about real football. Uh, uh, <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, Tom, uh, do you still, like, cheer for the Denver Broncos? And if so, why?
2: Okay, so when I saw this segment on the little rundown you sent me, I was very excited because we finally get to address out in the open the fact that um, we've worked together for like 10 years, and every single football season this comes up where you're like, hey man, do you like the Broncos? And I'm always like, no, <laughs> I don't like the Broncos. Have never rooted for the Broncos. Never been a Broncos. Oh, <laughs> <Redford>. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah Patrick, sure. But this is my favorite recurring bit that we have where like the Broncos will do something terrible and you'll be like, oh, Tom, look at your team. And I'm like, don't, don't like them. Uh, <laughs>
0: you're, you're, you're from Denver though. I am from Denver. Yep. Yeah. In your defense. You murdered John Bonet Ramsey. <laughs> yeah. like you have all the local ties. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, think I, I
2: get why it happens. Like I, you know, I root for the Nuggets, the Rockies, every other Denver team. Um, so yeah, the answer to your question is no, I don't root for the Broncos, <laughs> um, which thank God for that. <laughs> yeah. Well, previously in my life, that was a deadly mistake. Cause they were like winning the Super Bowl when I was like 12. Oh, yeah! and I did not get to join in on any of that fun.
1: Had you adopted some other team just out of, because you like, like their,
2: no. So or? I, uh, my mother, uh, was a Raiders fan, I think to spite her own parents who were Broncos fans. And then, so when she was raising me and my brother, uh, she was like, um, you know, the Broncos are clowns. And we were like, yeah. And then, and then like, <laughs> I, be, I, like, I honestly ended up, being growing up as one of those really annoying just like nfl fans like i i could have worn the rob Lowe nfl hat <laughs> NFL, like, i fucking logo. loved <laughs> nfl
1: football but all football is good
2: yeah me. but i had no no team or rooting interest ever um which uh sucked because then i i you know wanted to be a, a a principled young man so when the broncos were like winning super bowls i was always like no, this, I'm not I'm not happy about this. This isn't <laughs> yeah. for me. You didn't <laughs> like, hop
0: on the band. I right? did not.
2: I never You're did once. And like kids at school freaking out, wearing their jerseys, going on and on about what a great team we had. And I would just be like, no, I don't agree with that.
1: Like I'm I'm sure that Olandis Gary is very good, yeah. but unfortunately he is not mine. Right? Yeah. Well <laughs> was, I
0: wanted to use I still wanted to use Broncos chat to Yeah, we can uh, talk about yeah. yeah, well I wanted to actually talk about one and done coaches because I think that Nathaniel Hackett um, and Lovey Smith are our two best
1: bets to be one and done yeah. coaches in the NFL this year. Respectfully I respectfully disagree. I, I don't think you can get rid of Hackett. Yet. He's, I I, I kind of don't. Still learning so much. like I how think, time works. I
0: kind of think they won't. But like the the Raiders already said, they're keeping Josh McDaniels, which is hilarious. And with that, that leaves I think Lovey and and Hackett as the primary culprits. But I just wanted to let you guys know. I wanted to do a quick, brief moment of remembering some one-and-done coaches, because it's a great list of names. There have been 29 of them in league history. There have been 15 of them in this century alone. Are you ready for the list, Roth?
1: Oh, my God, dude. Like, more than anything. All right.
0: So, here, your first one uh, is Marty Schottenheimer, which you don't think of as a one-and-done coach, but, of course, the Washington tenure— He's hired by Dan Snyder, who brought in Dion and he brought in Bruce Smith and all It's just total shit. And Jeff George, it's a total shit show. And he got canned after one season, despite starting 0 and 5 and then going 8 and 8. Oh. Uh, your next one.
1: Did they I, bring back Gibbs after that? Was that like one yeah, of the like, not, resuscitating Joe Gibbs?
0: I don't think the Joe I don't think Joe Gibbs 2.0 was right after that. Like right after that was like Norv or something like that. I can't okay. remember. Okay. Um, and then Art Shell. Again, another sort of... Because he had already coached the Raiders in the past, like in the 1980s or in the 1990s. And then Al Davis brought him back for one year and then fired him again. And then... That was ne- my
1: my favorite of these. I'm not going to talk after all of them, but the Shell one was so good because <laughs> it was like... It was like absolute terminal stage Al Davis just like absolutely feeling it and doing whatever. Yeah, Shell hadn't coached in like 15 years I remember yeah. their offensive coordinator that they brought back was like running a B and B in like the Pacific Northwest. Like yeah, just like man. Some guy.
0: That uh, was great.
1: Uh, handing him Carson Palmer and Randy Moss and being like, "You, you look like this would be something you'd enjoy, right?" Because you've been making eggs for tourists <laughs> for five years.
0: And now, lay, we get really into the the guy, the list of yeah, guys. Yeah, let's do some guys. Your next one is your next one's Cam Cameron. Okay, on the Dolphins oh, one, yeah. one to fifteen and got shit faced. Then the next one is Bobby Petrino, which is like. <laughs> you got Petrino, and you got Schottenheimer. Those are two like really just fantastic one-and-done seasons. And another one is, is coming up uh, down the list. We also have Jim Mora Jr. Mm. with the Seahawks. Uh, we have Hugh Jackson with the Raiders, not with the Browns. The Browns kept him for two seasons, so he could win a grand total of one game in two seasons. Yeah. Um, then we're back in retread land. We have Mike Mullarkey with the Jaguars. In 2012, he had already coached, I believe, the Bills. And then poor Rob Chudzinski, he oh. got the gate after just one year with the Browns in 2013. Yeah. And then uh, the immortal Jim Tom Sula uh, uh, with the Niners. So the Niners in 2015 and 2016, they had back to back one and done coaches. So they started with Tom Sula and then they had Chip Kelly, uh, <laughs> like, as they were like, oh well, my God.
1: We f-
2: why I forgot yeah, about they that. Did it,
0: didn't they? like, oh, like this this is a disaster. This 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 coal pulverizer guy that we hired. <laughs> we, we better get the guy who urine tested every uh every eagle and got himself running out of town for banishing Taco Tuesday. He'll be great. He fucked up. Uh twenty eighteen, the Cardinals hired Steve Wilkes and then fired him right away for Cliff Kingsbury, who like is now a provably worse coach because Steve Wilkes is like winning with a DOA Carolina Panthers team.
1: Yeah. And uh, he had he won a game in which Sam Darnold not only started, but rolled on his <laughs> tummy into the end zone like like a kid in gym class and yeah. like second grade gym class doing a log. That one. was a good yeah, stuff. He scored a touchdown that way for him.
0: Things happen, you know, like I, I, I some people were like laughing at Islet, and I was like, he just remembered he wasn't. No one had touched him, so he could go <laughs> score. So he did, the,
1: he did the right thing. It was just funny to see like a big boy, <laughs> like just <laughs> doing a log roll during a football game before someone blew a whistle. You
0: got uh, you got three more. You got Freddie Kitchens, the immortal Freddie Kitchens, and then of course Better, last Rico year, Cucini. Last year gifted us two. Uh, one was David Culley, who got shikamed by the Texans merely for doing his job, and then Urban Meyer, who I think probably is. It's either Urban or. Bobby Petrino, who are the most entertaining fiascos of these one and done. Yeah, I can't really decide which, Tom.
2: Uh, I think Urban is more entertaining. I don't know. Bobby, Bobby's stuff was like just a little more dark, I guess. Urban is just uh more fun to laugh at. I'm I'm struck by this seems to be like a trend that's picked up um recently. Like, I mean, there just seems to be a lot more of this now than in decades past and like uh i wonder what that's about like i i don't get the sense that owners care that much more about winning now than they did or there's just like everybody wants the next sean McVay, i guess and they're just like super eager to get rid of people and find that guy i don't know
1: it's easy marketing yeah is the most confusing to me because that's like, if they really fire Lovey Smith, you can't say that Lovey Smith is doing a much worse job than David Cully. And I think David Cully did a pretty good job. Yeah. They're just like, what are they even fucking trying to do? How would you know if the coach was doing a bad job? Yeah, I guess maybe them a they just like,
2: do it for because then they get to make a cool um, Twitter clip of uh, boss reporting for work. Or like, you know, big man's first day on the job. And like Drew said, that's good marketing. (laughs) Sell season tickets. If there wasn't Twitter, all these coaches would not be fired. They'd all have their jobs for at least three years. (laughs)
0: Uh, Rivers McCown, who writes for Football Outsiders, has been, uh, I think, more or less against his will on the Texans beat uh, this season. And he's really done a good and thorough job of just how shitty Mm. they are. Because they had Davis Mills a quarterback. They finally benched him this week. But like, Davis Mills is really fucking bad. And Lovey, despite being... Lovable. I didn't mean that as a pun. No, no. It's, is it's like fine. has actually it. done a worse job than Cully did a year ago. And ultimately all of it lies not at the feet of Jack Easterby, who was already phased out of power, uh, probably as, as far away as like a year, a year and a half ago. But Nick Casario, who is now like the undisputed general manager of that team, and has just been fucking terrible and has been terrible despite the fact that they traded Deshaun Watson away who they will play against this, this weekend uh, for a host of picks, but they have absolutely nothing to show for it, despite getting all of those picks. So yeah. they're, they're just a colossally badly run football organization at the top. You know, it's a typical fish rots from the head type bullshit.
1: Yeah. And so you can also say, I mean, like, Davis Mills is pretty bad. He is also, like, quite clearly not just the best quarterback on that roster, but the most promising. I think his backup is, like, Kyle Allen or something yeah. like that. It's like it was. Yeah, it was Kyle was, like, Allen. Absolutely do. known quantities. There's always, there's, I guess this is part of being the Texans' coach, but there is a lot of, I mean, probably also saw this on Rivers' Twitter account because I followed him back from when he wrote for us advice, and he's always good. But he has to spend a lot of time watching press conferences where Lovey Smith is expressing, not just tonally, but like textually, where he's like, I don't know what el- all right, sure, we're going to do it. We'll see what Kyle gives us. That'll be neat for everybody to do that. And it's like everyone seems so unhappy. There's nothing you can really do to make anything better until those picks start showing up if they are actually worth, you know, playing. It's just like the – there's some purgatorial NFL teams. I think the Texans have always been different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right from like, the inception when they were like, we're the Texans. Fucked. You're like, oh,
0: you're not a real team. <laughs>
1: Like, whatever's going on with the Raiders is at least, like, it started getting interesting now, because it seems like the, like, it's like McDaniels is there to shave points. (laughs) Like, if you just gave the ball to Josh Jacobs, like, 30 times a game, like, that would be kind of annoying. He's going to be a free agent. You don't want to burn him out. They just won't do that. And so, like, the things that are working there, like, Jacobs is great. If they throw the ball to Devontae Adams, he is great. And yet like McDaniels' plan is just like we need there's three flea flickers per game. The question <laughs> is where you put them. Like he's just doing the fucking most all the time.
0: Yeah, it's it's true. And the other thing that Rivers noted in those Lovey press conferences is how clear it is from both Lovey's uh sound bites and his body languages that the decisions he's making are not really his, that he is right. being ordered. Yeah. And, you know, you don't it's really you know, it's worked in baseball for like, you know, the Moneyball A's and stuff when it's the GM issuing orders to basically the coaching staff. But in football, that's really just never that good of an idea. Like, go look at the Colts. Like, you know, the Colts starred Sam Ellinger because that's what Jim Mersey wanted. <laughs> and that didn't work out all that good. Um, I won't also, move it's on like
1: to Moneyball if like you're doing it with like the current Royals. <laughs> Like, if you like, get a message from your boss and it's like, Hunter Dozier is your leadoff hitter, you just be like, oh, whatever. Dude. All right, sure. <laughs> like, that's what you think is best.
0: Well, so much of it is like, is teams thinking, okay, let's just do the money ball thing. Like, they think that the, the process itself just magically works. Whereas, yes. like, the reason the A's succeeded with that was because they had a genuinely smart man in that position doing the money ball shit. Whereas if you have just any asshole doing it, you have a fucking dime store preacher doing it with Jack Easterby. That's not going to fucking work.
1: I do this all the time. It's the one Simpsons metaphor that I think I've humped to death the most vigorously. But I'm going to do it again one last time, which is during the robot parade at Itchy and Scratchy Land. (laughs) uh, There's a moment where uh, Marge is complaining about how dangerous it looks. And someone from the park goes, no, these are very sophisticated robots. And one of them just takes the top of its head off and you can see the circuitry inside. And, you know, Marge says to Homer, uh, you see Homer, all that stuff in there. That's why your robot didn't work. (laughs) And (laughs) to me, there's like, everybody has been building Homer Simpson robots at it in this mode in sports everywhere where you just build the outside of it. And then you expect it to like come to life and make you a sandwich. And that's not how it fucking works, dude. (laughs) Like you need a lot of stuff in there. That's like
0: when I was a kid and I wanted to smoke a cigarette. So I rolled up a piece of paper, just a piece of paper. And I lit it on fire, and I smoked it, because that's what I thought a cigarette was. Yeah,
2: oh, yeah. that and was I, probably And good. I
0: almost burned my fingers. I was like, whoa, whoa, oh, oh, whoa, that's not
1: good. Yeah, that's cool. That's like that's what most people are like when you see him smoking. Like If you see Barry vaping, he's making that sound the whole time.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, I want to talk about one more football thing um, before we get on to more serious matters with Tom Leigh. Uh, Because uh, Odell Beckham is still a free agent, and... Is still recuperating from a torn ACL he suffered in the Super Bowl, and from, I assume, just being blind drunk on an airplane and, and making a scene that they yeah, wouldn't have to That was a weird on. one, right? That was weird. Uh, but he's still being courted, particularly by the Cowboys, who were so horny for him. Like they've talked so openly about acquiring Odell that I really don't think it's gonna happen now. It's just one of those things where, you know, you the two of you, like, we always know that like there's only so, so much smoke to the fire. Like, like, when people talk about these deals endlessly and they don't get executed, like, then they don't happen. But yeah. I just wanted to say that um, the Cowboys are still so hot and heavy for Odell that they were more than willing to, uh, to overlook the airplane incident. And I just want to read the Jerry Jones uh, quote about it because he said, uh, his overall team compatibility, his judgment, <laughs> his behavior is not an issue with him. It is with many. It isn't with him. So I just thought that was, I'd love it when Jerry,
2: the the response from everybody about that plane thing was so weird. Cause when I first saw it, I was like, oh, he probably took a sleeping pill. Cause he wanted to be knocked out on the plane. And then, you know, you can be very delirious when someone tries to wake you up and like, whatever, no big deal. And so I was expecting his statement to be like, yeah, sorry guys. I took a sleeping pill and I was, I was zooted. But then his statement was like, from his agent was like, Odell Beckham did nothing wrong. He was simply trying to rest his eyes and the combative flight attendant made an issue of the situation. He was not on any substance, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, dude, like, just just say, like, yeah, take the easy <laughs> way out. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And then Jerry Jones is doing that too. Like, I don't know. He needs like better PR people because if any of them had any idea what they're doing, like, yeah, say you took an Ambien because you wanted to sleep on the flight. Like, no big deal. But they were like, no, he was stone cold sober, totally awake. The flight attendant yeah. was just <laughs> causing a problem. <laughs> it's like, well, clearly not. I love
1: that. That is such a classic bit of, like, also... I guess if you're, like, Odell Beckham's attorney, you've gotten to spend some time on TV. Yeah. But you have to be thinking at some level, like, this is my time to shine. <laughs> like, this is, like, it's star time. And so, like, the answer to that question, very obviously, it's, like, you don't need to be, like, he was thinking about football <laughs> so hard that he was unresponsive when contacted by flight staff. Because he wants to win that much. Yeah. Like, there, you could be normal for, like, 10 seconds, and this isn't a problem anymore.
0: There is a money turn of phrase from that attorney who said that, uh, who blamed the incident on, and this is from the article, it was, quote, an overzealous flight attendant, which <laughs> yeah. is true.
2: Like, I, um, also, my opinion is that uh flight attendants can do whatever the fuck they want because their job they have nightmare jobs. Like, you deal with so many awful people on a flight every day. So, honestly, even if Odell Beckham was just, like, a little sleepy and was, like, kind of rude, fine, fuck it. Like, I'm on the flight attendant side. You can, you can be as shitty as you want.
1: Yeah, like, do you have any idea how many, like, evil drunks they've already encountered, like even on morning flights, yeah. like just somebody like the worst realtor in some town had five yeah. drinks and got on a plane with that. Person. Like they're they just, ah, then the entire, their job. their job is
2: literally being sealed inside of a tin can with no escape with, uh, <laughs> the most chaotic and evil drunk people on earth for five hours at a time. Like yeah, there's, tough. you can't feel more sympathy for anybody.
1: Yeah, you have to extend the benefit of the doubt in that scenario, because I feel like, as with a lot of these things, like, I always feel this way when you see, like, chuds talking about teachers, and they're like, yeah, they're trying to indoctrinate our yeah. kids, and it's like, no, man, they're in a room with, like, fucking 25, 70 <laughs> yeah. kids. Would you change, would you trade places with them? Yeah. Do you think that you'd do better? <laughs> This is fucking crazy. It's <laughs> embarrassing.
0: And also, uh, you know, also there's also the pandemic when they had to deal with like,
2: oh yeah, non. You, know, you never guys. knew when
0: you you never knew when one passenger was gonna be like, Attica, Attica, because they just wanted to, because <laughs> yeah, they exactly. were like, please, just please put your mask over your nose, like make sure it's. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. Are you
1: willing? Can you inconvenience yourself for 75 minutes? <laughs> yeah. where, can you do that? And everybody's absolutely not. Yeah, no, I'm an
0: American. Just, just some white asshole in first class being like, this is
1: worse than slavery. <laughs> just
0: like chill the fuck out, <laughs> like,
1: <"B-> buddy. <laughs>
0: Uh uh Tom, uh, we we are having you on because um well we want to talk about sports because we're a sports we're website. We're talking sports, but we, the
1: sports
2: guys. We didn't yeah.
0: want to talk about the website itself, which is Defector, and uh this will post um by the time the calendar is turned to December, which means we will have completed we already have completed two years of our existence. Mm-hmm. Uh are we solvent? We we're okay,
1: right? Right, we're yes. The, live?
2: S- the state of our union is strong. Uh, so do I have to come in tomorrow? Uh yeah. yes. All right. I will. You do. All right, good. Um, yeah, we're we're solvent. We got we got money in the bank, baby. We're sending payroll out, um, you know, paying freelancers, putting stuff on site. Uh so yeah, we we are not going out of business uh anytime soon, it seems. And you know, what more can you ask for in this day and age than than staying in business?
0: Honestly, it's true. Like I um and I've told Roth this privately that I Sometimes, um, you know, like, like when we started the website, we were all very excited and all that stuff, and that sailed into being a regular job because that's what we wanted, right? We mm-hmm. wanted to have jobs, and we, we made jobs for ourselves. And so sometimes I take for granted, um, and this sounds very grandiose, but I, I take for granted what we've managed to accomplish, mm. and then, like, I'll get stoned on a Friday night, and I'll be like, this <laughs> fucking... And then I'll put, type it in Slack and be like, I love you guys, and then, like, <laughs> someone will be like i can't find taylor swift tickets no (laughs) you're missing the point man no i (laughs) i
2: i feel the same way like i will now that like you're right it is a job now and we're you know more than two years into this now so i will find myself you know on like a tuesday night being like fucking gotta do my stupid fucking ass job tomorrow i gotta (laughs) get up go goddamn work like this is fucking stupid why does anybody do this and then like i think about it for like five minutes and I'm like, well, okay, it's pretty nice. Like I guess I guess I got a pretty good deal going on here.
1: That is the absolute state of my I mean that's the way it has been everywhere that I've ever like I've been lucky. You know, like I got staff jobs even before we like created our own like an actual workplace that it's the first time I've really been in a workplace that was functional where I wasn't worried about getting laid off because some guy (laughs) three floors above me got bored and was like, Yeah, I think we're like it's gonna be skateboarding videos now. Sorry, you are fired. That, like, and yet there's still the part of me that just, I just any job yeah. I'm gonna be kind of resentful. I think, I think that's healthy though. I
2: think, do I think it's good to understand that like jobs are still jobs, like, you, you know, even passion yes. projects like this. Like, you know, I think it's good for your work life balance to at least a little bit be like, I don't fucking wake up tomorrow, I'm gonna stupid ass work. <laughs> but- <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it would be weirder if somehow, like, what happened, like, whatever that you lift the vampire's curse. <laughs> of sometimes being in the bathroom at the same time as Jim Spanfeller and all of us discover that we have a completely untroubled relationship with working for money. Yeah. So like, as soon as he's not there, we're just <laughs> showing up every day and yeah. joining hands and hopping in a circle.
0: Yeah. Well, as I am I'm so used to working for dysfunctional conglomerates that when I finally work for one that, like, works the way it's supposed to, I can't accept that. So, like, my brain <laughs> is like, I should find something to be dissatisfied. No, yeah, I do that, I'm too. I'm not happy
2: <laughs> yeah, I definitely and, do that. And, where And then I'm, I'm like, like why, do, why am I fucking worrying about it? Like, I don't care. Like, whatever. Yeah, I, <laughs> Relax. I
1: think I've talked to you both about this, but I had – this was a, a weird – you know, like, I have my, my ups and downs mood-wise just because that's how my brain works. But I noticed, I think, a little before the second year anniversary uh, of Defector that it was, like, somewhere in that, like, 18-month period that I started experiencing, like, I was – Wasn't sleeping well. I was anxious kind of grumpy whatever and I think that it was my like that my body after all of these different staff jobs that I've had all of which I've had for roughly the same period Mm -hmm. of time which was like a year and a half plus one month. That's how long it takes to get cycled out of a gig when your owner gets bored that I think that I was having like a sympathetic reaction to it, like the way that you might struggle waking up in the morning after daylight savings time. Yeah. Right. That like something in my body was just kind of like, time for you to get fucking fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's not right. It was, I, so that was like coming out of that. And then just, again, having to be like, yeah, I guess I'm going back to work was, you know, yeah. beyond, like it wasn't, there was no bittersweet element to it. It was just funny that I've evolved to yeah. get upset. And that's on that. This this is going
2: to sound really dumb because it was one of the worst movies released recently. But uh, I I was thinking about this when I watched that awful Sopranos prequel, Mini Saints of Newark. The only part that I liked, very bad movie, but the only part I liked about it was um, Ray Liotta's uh, prison. The guy who's in prison, who's just like a former mobster, who's just like Zen and into Buddhism, and he's just like, yeah, I just don't want stuff. Like I'm really happy here in prison because I just like. I don't want anything. And I try to I try to be like Ray Liotta in prison sometimes where I'm just like, yeah, this is fine. You don't have to want too much more than this. Like, you know.
1: So Ray Liotta says Buddhist shit in that movie? I oh yeah. Watch that. It's if actually. He plays twin, twin like, brothers in that movie, the ninefold path, Karen. Yeah,
2: he plays twin brothers in that movie. One of them's a psycho, one of them's cool. The psycho one like dies early. And then Ray Liotta's back playing his twin brother. And he does, it, like, he, it's pretty good. You know, he, did, he did, delivers a very good line. He says, it's the wanting that gets you. It's the wanting. And you just gotta yeah. let go with that. And you'll be A, a very high performing um, gangster in New Jersey. Or B, yep. a very satisfied and happy uh, sports blogger.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. If only I had known that enlightenment was as simple as... Yeah, you should check that movie out, that out when you were feeling that Desire is poison.
0: Yeah. It's amazing how quickly that movie just got immediately wiped off the cultural oh, radar, even though it was a Sopranos movie. Like <laughs> It was that much of a fucking mess that people were like,
2: no. Nah, I, I really know. couldn't believe how yeah. bad it was. I, I waited like a year to watch it. because I was like, well, everybody said this is bad. So then I finally did. I was like, it can't be that bad, right? Terrible, terrible movie.
0: Uh, by the way, I may as well plug now that um, we have opened up the, uh, the gift subscription. All yeah. Once again. So you go, if you go to uh defector.com slash holiday dash gift, you can give away uh, a gift subscription for a year to a friend or a family member, and you get free beanie because we had a bunch of beanies left over from last year, and we were like, well, we can't burn them, so you get one. <laughs> yeah,
2: Which we is- have uh, beanies sitting in... Uh, just imagine them sitting in my garage and causing me great shame every time I see them, um, yep. and that'll encourage you to buy one.
1: If you don't want a hat and you do a gift subscription, send me an email and I'll send you some baseball hats yeah, or something. Yeah,
2: or a hat. Tom,
1: a- do you want
0: to remember a guy? yes. Well good, because in honor of your Broncos fandom that doesn't actually <laughs> exist, I I picked in advance. I picked Maurice Claret because oh. uh, uh, not like not to mock Maurice Claret yeah, because he's yeah. been through enough already. He actually he was um he was profiled on ESPN for College Game Day a week ago about his time in prison and about an Ohio prison program for rehabilitation and he's gone back to campus and like he's like this amazing story when back when he was playing, back when he wanted to He wanted to. He was. He was a great running back at Ohio State. He wanted to come out after his sophomore year. The NFL said no, and the Take Industrial Complex was like, "Who does this young man think he is?" And then he got like arrested with like a hatchet in his fucking car after he got drafted by the Broncos. Be like, "See, we told you he wasn't a good citizen." And then he went to jail, and like we're at a spot now where we can look back and be like, "We treated this person like shit. Like, what the fuck."
2: yeah i uh that's a good guy to remember i remember being as like a, someone who never really followed college football much Clarette was one of those guys who like penetrated the veil for me and i was yeah. like very struck by him as a player when he was at ohio state i was like this guy he was good fucking rules and like i was actually like you know down to watch an entire game that he was in uh and then did did he ever have like a good run with the Broncos. I feel like I remember there was like some four week spell where it was like, there's the old Maurice Claret. Um,
1: I don't know that he ever even got in a game. Did he not? I think that he had, so the story was that he had a drinking problem by the time he made it because he missed a whole year. Right. That Like he played that sophomore year and was, as you remembered correctly, I mean, that's how I remember it anyway, like looked like an NFL player playing against college players and then sad. And I think that it was during that, so when the Broncos drafted, him, they draft him in the third round. I know this, by the way, not to brag, because I have a Maurice Claret card sitting by my desk <laughs> uh, that I worked on. I think it's the only football card he ever got, the Bowman set that I wrote a bunch of cards in when I was working there. Uh to pick him in the third round, which was like a classic Broncos move, in the same way that like drafting Tebow was, where they're just like they'll take a chance on a guy that they think is great yeah. a little bit higher than other teams will. They're just not necessarily correct about it. So I don't know that maybe one of you has looked. Yeah, this I think up you're well. right. I don't think you know about
0: right. I looked it up, and uh, because I was going to say, well, actually, Tom, like I think he was okay with the Broncos for a little bit before he got arrested and was out of the league. No, he never played it down in football in the National Football League. I was ever.
2: probably just thinking of when I would get him on my Madden team, and I'd be like, "Rich Claret yeah. is back, baby, playing for the Broncos."
0: <laughs> also, was he yeah. like, was he in like the? Um, do you remember a guy who was a quarterback for Ohio State? He got drafted. Mm-hmm. He became a wideout, but Roger Goodell suspended him for five oh, yeah. games. Yeah, um, uh, it
2: was Prior Terrell
0: Prior, Terrell yeah. Prior. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, I was trying to remember if Goodell had suspended Claret for the same sort of deal. He hasn't actually done that since uh, Terrell Pryor, but like, you never know when Roger's going to be like, yeah, I feel like
1: doing that again. Yeah,
2: wasn't Terrell yeah. Pryor like, I, it was like the tattoos or something? It was got, fucking, yes. he got free
1: tattoo. Ridiculous. Ended Jim auto- Trussell's job. <laughs> like, yeah, traded an autographed helmet for a tattoo, which we can assume, given that it was a, a college student getting the tattoo, that it was like... Jesus Christ carrying a football <laughs> yeah. and then there's like a speech bubble coming out of his mouth being like, good luck, Karel. Yeah, Like just bad decisions, I'll go, go. I, I will say it, yeah, yeah, it, wrecked everything. it is
2: nice to sort of remember something like that and kind of feel like that's all ancient history. Like I just don't think that happens anymore these days. Like just due to general sentiment and NIL stuff happening, which, you know, whatever. There's still a lot of problems with college sports, but like it is nice to think that I hope that, like, that wouldn't happen now. Yeah. Like,
1: as scuzzy as the NIL stuff can be, I feel like... (laughs) It's great. Hugh Freeze got a job at
0: Auburn. The system works. Yeah, the system
1: works. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was reading... So I've been trying to write about that. I was reading, like, some pretty straight coverage of it, like, from, like, USA Today, where they were like, Hugh Freeze was great at paying players before you were, like, allowed to do (laughs) that. So you got to assume that the NIL thing is going to really suit it. Yeah. Which is, you know, that's not wrong. It's just kind of a funny way of seeing yeah.
0: it. It's also, you know, if you're leaving out the part where he was at a high school and like forced girls to take sh- their shirts off in front of them and shit yeah. like that, you should you should be mentioning that. Like, yeah. That's kind of important. Yeah. Uh, Eric writes in, this time for the fun bag. Yuri, I'm sorry, this is from Yuri. He writes in, Tom, if you had to live the same calendar day every day for the rest of your life, is there a particular one you would choose? Your actions would carry forward. So it's not a Groundhog Day experience. It's just living another April 25th or another Christmas. So what day do you pick on the calendar to live over and over again, knowing that you're going to live it again?
2: I feel like... uh you need to like consult the farmer's almanac or something and figure out, you know, like what yeah. date has the best chance of like being 75 degrees and not rainy. Uh, and, and this is like, if I travel anywhere, like it's the same day, there's the same day anywhere I am.
0: Yeah. Let's say that. Yeah.
2: I guess I, I would go with like sometime in April, I suppose. April seems pretty safe. It gets rainy, but it's not going to be April too much. Is
0: April nice enough up there, or does it have some? Yeah. still have some March leftovers? Too, no, it's, so it's, it's, okay. it's nice
2: enough up here. I, maybe May I'll push it to safer. May. Uh, maybe I'll push it to May. Yeah, let's do, let's do like May 25th. That's what I'll do. Yeah,
1: I'm a, I'm a late August, early September guy. There. Mm. I feel like you're just going to hopefully not be dealing with uh, too much of the extremes of weather one way or the other. And early September, especially like the, around Labor Day, but like before Labor Day, everybody's just sort of fucking off. Yeah. Like it's just, things are sort of happening in the world. Like baseball's starting to get interesting, but it's not stressful yet. There's not a whole lot else going on. Uh, what I want is a period where everybody has sort of tacitly agreed that it's not an important time to be alone <laughs> one way or the yeah. other. <laughs> and it's just sort of proceeding accordingly. I feel like May. So you yeah. get a
2: little bit out of it in May. Like people are just sort of waiting yes. for summer to start. Schools are ending. Yeah, a- you know, it's like, fuck this. <laughs> Yeah, it's a
1: great time to be a kid yeah. as well, too, because you're kind of like it's starting to get nice. You can see the end of the school year from there, but it's not, um, you know, there's nothing to get stressed out yeah. about. You're in that like it's what I'm describing yeah. where you're basically sort of on a glide path towards. And you're not something.
2: you're not yet panicking about um, like, oh, I'm wasting my summer. Like you're just like, yeah, it's May. Whatever. Yeah, everything's fine right now. Yeah. You're
1: like, you're, thinking about all the sick bike rides you're going to go yeah. on during the yeah. summer instead of regretting the ones you yeah. did
2: Neither of you picked, like, oh, my birthday!
0: No. Like, oh, it could be my birthday <laughs> every day. Woohoo! My birthday
1: is in February, and it's... My wife and I have this... Pro- well, we have a couple problems, uh, one of which is being that our, our taste in restaurants is, like, obnoxiously bougie and probably antique at this point. That's yeah, it's all right. Where we want to go to places where it's, like, seasonal food prepared in cool mm. ways. And her birthday's in January and mine's in February. So we go to these restaurants and they're just, like... A roulade of turnips. Like this is nothing is yeah. growing. The earth is frozen. You now. get a winter like salad. that's just like that.
2: potatoes, some carrots, yep. <laughs> some walnuts in there. So
1: good. Wow, is this celery root? Is it all celery root? Interesting <laughs> cool. I'll
0: pick a I'll pick a day in May because like anything that uh, it's all entirely weather based. So it's like well, I won't pick October, but if I can pick a day that is as close to like just living in Los Angeles, like yeah. that yeah. weather, like that's fine. Like, I already know that I could do that year-round. Like, if I lived in fall year-round, I'd be like, okay, I think I'm going to, like, go jump in a pool. And yeah. And I can't do that, so... Yep. Uh, Brandon Nix and Chantel Holder are our producers. Nora Richie is our executive producer. Our theme song is by Kirk Hamilton. You can listen to ad-free episodes of The Distraction only on Stitcher Premium. Thanks to Roth and Tom and me, we get three months of Stitcher Premium right now. Just go to StitcherPremium.com and use the promo code distract right now don't forget to rate review and subscribe wherever it is to listen and again uh it's defector.com slash holiday dash gift if you want to give a, uh, a gift subscription to someone or just go to defector yourself if you want to subscribe and we will see you guys next week thank you for coming on tom
2: thank you for having me
0: bye everybody bye see ya.